Welcome back to the Enneagram Journey. My guest today is Heather Mustaine. She is a pastor at a church here in Dallas. She's married to Chad, and they have a two-and-a-half-year-old whose name is Jimmy. And in thinking about my conversation with her, I want you to listen for how articulate she is around giving a six time. Heather, I'm so glad you're with me today to talk about the Enneagram so that everybody can get to know you a little bit besides the fact that you're a six. Talk a little bit about Chad and talk about Jimmy and talk a little bit about our first encounter maybe eight years ago now. Sure. Uh, so I have been married for 10 years this summer to a wonderful partner, uh, Chad, and we together have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Jimmy Kathleen. <laughs> we thought we'd call her Jimmy Cat. Yeah. She just goes by Jay now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, my husband and I met on the mission field. We were both working for a uh, missions organization and fell in love when in two weeks time and went our separate ways for a year, came back together, got married. And, um, that's the rest is history, right? Yeah. So he, he and I really connected because we cared about very similar things, saw our kind of life heading in the same direction. Uh, he is a hospital chaplain. He works at Baylor medical center downtown and is a phenomenal chaplain. Yeah. Uh, he also stays at home primarily with our daughter. And is getting his doctorate of ministry at Bright Seminary. So, um, Jimmy's two and a half. She, oh, how do you describe her? Uh, she's got so much personality mm-hmm. and uh, love. And she loves waking me up in the morning and she'll crawl in my bed and say, I'm here for you, mommy. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> so, um, she's uh, just a beautiful aspect of our life together. Great. So one of the things, what Enneagram number is Chad? Chad is a one. Okay. Uh So I want to talk a little bit about the fact that I think all the great things that you just said about your two and a half year old, she really is adorable, have to do with the fact that you and Chad are intentional people. Mm -hmm. And intentionality, I think, has something to do with your Enneagram numbers as a six and a one. Mm Mm-hmm. I, uh, interestingly enough, I did a podcast for somebody else this morning and they have some questions they close with every podcast. And one of them was, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Hmm. And I answered that I would tell myself two things that I needed to be more intentional about how I lived my days and that I need to take care of myself too. Hmm. And they said they interviewed a two just last week and they answered the question the same way way. Hmm. so with every enneagram number there's something that's lacking and for twos it's self-care oh what do you think is lacking for sixes risk-taking that's my that's immediately what comes to my mind if I was to you know be asked that same question um I would say take risks yeah so uh, it's interesting to hear that risk-taking is a thing for you <laughs> since you and Chad met in the mission field. Like, right. that's a little risky. Right. Uh-huh. How'd that come to be? Well, interestingly enough, I'd kind of, I was about 24 at the time and really 
thought I'd actually never get married. That yeah. was kind of my, I had kind of given up that hope and, you know, that dream because I had dated someone previous and because I wanted to do missions and had a heart for that, he, that's why we broke up. Ah. And so I was kind of like, well, I guess I'm going to sell everything I have. And I did and moved to Africa, which I did. And that's okay. That's so not a six thing to do, though. <laughs> so not. And you're a phobic six. Or you're both probably, huh? I feel a little bit like I'm both. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So did you do that with comfort because you felt called or because you just knew it was yours to do? Or, you know, I'm kind of a risk taker, but that would be a lot of risk for me hmm. to sell everything and move to Africa. Maybe that's because I'm so relational. Yeah, I think part of it is out of calling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are... I didn't grow up in church. Oh. Uh, I can't, became a believer when I was a freshman in college. Yeah. And, uh, but I do remember even as a little girl, like, you know, wanting to help people. That was kind of, I couldn't tell you what that meant, yeah. but I remember that. Yeah. And so I think as I learned about myself and as I learned about the opportunity to kind of explore the world, mm-hmm. um, and, and then having the opportunity to do that and to see so much goodness elsewhere. Yeah. That just kind of kept propelling me further and further into that. So uh, I think I, I rarely feel nervous, which is interesting as a six, being in other places. Like when I, when I get to wherever I'm going, mm-hmm. I just, I feel at home. I love it. I love seeing God work and villages and communities and I love worshiping with other people I love culture it just feels so now it feels like a natural thing for me so I have two things to say about that that I think are six things Mm -hmm. but I'm not a six so I want you to respond okay um and you know of course you know because you know me well enough to know that if I'm wrong about that you need to just say yeah that's not it okay So uh, you're in an advanced program that I have for Mm -hmm. uh, people who want to study the Enneagram on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've noticed is a difference in you between when I met you when you were on staff at Baylor Mm -hmm. University and having you in that group now is that you're less reticent to speak up about yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. but you've always been a person in the room who was ready to speak up on behalf of somebody who was an underdog or was disadvantaged in some way. Mm-hmm. So because you're in that group, you know that right now one of the things I'm talking about a lot is that I think uh, this is the time in our culture for sixes and nines. Sixes because they're the people who uh, live life with the common good mm-hmm. in mind. And nines because they see two sides to everything and we're so polarized. So culturally, I think we're polarized and I think we're not taking care of being mindful of the common good. Right. Did mission work work for you because you were concerned about the common good? And could you say that that thing you felt as a little girl Mm -hmm. wanting to help people had to do with wanting to help the people who were in some way marginalized in whatever way... uh, child sees that. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? And then let's talk a little bit about the fact that children see all of that and we don't live like they do. Hmm. Interesting. So yes, my answer to you is yes, that I, 
uh, even as a child, I could, it almost felt like I had the super sense of who was feeling left out. And I could, I mean, go into a room and whoever was kind of on the outside, I kind of just knew that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was maybe because I felt like that was me too. So I could see that in others. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's two stories of, I think of in childhood that really, that justice, that common good really hit me. Um, one, when I was probably in middle school, I was maybe in sixth grade Mm -hmm. and I was sitting on the school bus and, uh, there was every year I grew up in a really small town in upstate New York. Every year there was a annual fight between the farmers and another group. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just remember sitting there and watching it and just being so like inside, just feeling so sick to my stomach to see people hating each other so much over something that seemed so insignificant, you know? And then uh, I had a younger brother and my brother was being bullied on the school bus and I was a senior (laughs) in high school. And so I didn't ride the bus anymore, but the next day I did Ah. and I did what I needed to said some things, some choice things probably to that young Mm -hmm. boy who was Mm -hmm. teasing my brother. And then my brother was super embarrassed, but I just, I felt like I needed to do that to stick up for him. So I think people misunderstand sixes a lot. Mm -hmm. I think they are not aware of how strong you are. And I wonder if you feel strong and if you've always felt strong on the inside. No. I think I know that I am, Uh but I don't trust that I am. Okay, and so you're in the head triad or the mm-hmm. thinking triad. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you have that worked out in your head. Yeah, yes. But you don't trust yourself because sixes doubt themselves, so it's hard for you to trust mm-hmm. doing it. And yet, when um, action is called for, sixes always step up. Mm-hmm. It, it, so stepping up doesn't really have to do with trusting yourself, Maybe. And maybe uh, numbers that trust themselves don't always step up because that's my experience. Hmm. My experience is that if there's somebody who's left out, somebody who's being bullied, somebody who is marginalized, sixes are aware of that. And I think it's because, you know, that I think sixes are half the world. That's Mm -hmm. the tradition of teaching that I come from. And not everybody in the Enneagram world thinks that. And I I think sixes observe before they involve. Mm -hmm. And so I think you read the world differently than other people do. And I want to add one more thing to that, and then I want to hear you talk about it. The thing I want to add is that one of the reasons I think you are good in all those communities, and you feel at home worshiping with other people or in other cultures and in their communities, is because sixes are comfortable with the details of life. Mm. So we're to a point now where... People don't want to hear the detail. When people say, how was your day? Unless you're a six asking, how was your day? Mm-hmm. You, you don't, you're not earnest <laughs> in asking that question, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody really wants to know how your day was, except sixes do. Right. What's that about? Like, what does that feel like? And what, what's going on inside of you that you want to know what people did this morning? And what is all of that about? Can you just talk about it for a while? Hmm. Yeah, I, um, that, that's interesting because... I 
you know, it's one of those things where you don't really realize uh, that other people don't like details as much as you do Uh until you're put in charge of a lot of details and you're trying to work with people and you're saying all the details and most of the room is like, I really don't care, you know? Um, but I, I think for me, it's about, it's, you know, in relationships, it's about being known, you know, to me, like the details of somebody's day matter because it, it affects them or it makes them who they are, or, you know, those interactions are important to other things. So details to me are in relationships is about being known, you know, like I want you to know everything that happened to me today Mm -hmm. because it was my, my experience and that's important to me and somehow it shaped me. Yeah. Um, so you need to know that. Yeah. And I want to know that about other people because I want, I want them to feel known and heard. And I think details are important. Okay. So Chad's a one. Yes. And one of the things that I suggest that people can do to help ones with their voices Mm -hmm. is at the end of the day, sit for 30 minutes with them Mm. and listen to them talk about their day. And I say to other people, don't, you can ask questions, but don't make statements and, and kind of let them work through what happened in the day and they'll be able to let go of whatever the voices told them about the day. So the fact that you intuitively do that with Chad, I think is a thing we shouldn't miss in terms of ones and sixes being in relationship with one another. Mm. I also think that because you ask questions, Mm -hmm. it makes some numbers uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So do you know what numbers that is? I mean, I've got an idea, but I'd like to hear what you think first. Who seems to get uncomfortable when you ask questions? Hmm. Sometimes ones because, um, they feel it's being critical. Yeah. When for me asking questions is just trying to understand. Right. Um, but for, for some, I think, I think it's people who it might not always be ones, but maybe aggressive numbers Uh or, uh, people who are doing dominant Uh numbers Uh that they've already over it. Yeah. They're already past that. Yeah. And so I, by asking questions, I'm having, I'm making them stop Uh and, and think about it or tell me the process in which they got to the doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, that would be my initial reaction. So orientation of time has a lot to do with relationships. So three sevens and eights are the aggressive numbers and they're all oriented to the future and your orientation of time is the present moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have to pull people in relationships back to the present moment? So I'm kind of trying to hang with people in the present moment. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me. I don't think it's as hard for you as a six because I don't think we're marking relationships anymore. I think we're passing in relationships. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that? And do you feel like people are passing you? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oftentimes I feel like I'm having to... Things move so quickly before I can even, I feel like before I can respond. Yeah. And if I could go back, you know, so that, so this happens, it's done, it's over. And I'm still like, wait a minute, (laughs) I'm still, I'm still working it out. Right. And then I think of an awesome response or about 30 minutes after the moment, you know? Uh, So I often feel slow. I'm just a real slow, I describe myself as a slow processor Mm -hmm. because I just need I don't know. I, I feel like I'm just always getting past. Yeah. 
could it be that you're a processor <laughs> right. and that other people are just acting and not processing? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or that other people have kind of fallen asleep to the whole process and are not processing. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel slow? Yes, probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, th- I think we're reacting more than acting. Uh-huh. So I think we're not processing. So is a podcast challenging for you because mm-hmm. I'm asking questions and then there's all this silence if you don't just answer? Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. So having to like think of something in the yeah. moment yeah. is really hard for me. Okay, I want to talk about that in terms mm-hmm. of relationships because the new book is out, right? And I didn't know that. I, I know that in, intuitively, but I didn't write about that. So I want to talk about processing in relationships. Okay. So you know that I'm big on saying that if you're going to have a meeting and you want participation and input from sixes, you have to have the meeting twice mm. because they need to go away and think and come mm-hmm. back about a vote or about making a decision. Right. It didn't occur to me until just this moment that you need the same circle back in relationship. So what's that like with numbers, aggressive numbers, whose orientation is to the future? They were gone in real time anyway. And then if you want to circle back, do you feel the freedom to do that? It probably depends on the person. Yeah. You, um, and how in tune they are with, with themselves. Yeah. So for some, I think yes, um, but mostly no, because I don't think most people are aware of that. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple relationships that I have with aggressive numbers, and uh, it's <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic uh, in the sense that when I'm given the freedom you know, to do it my way yeah. or, or given what I need in order yeah. to make a good, what I feel like is a good decision. Yeah. It can take me a while. However, oftentimes I don't have that luxury. Right. So they make the decision for me. Oh. Does that make sense? Does. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm guessing it feels a little disrespectful. A little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would think that too. What do you wish people knew about being in relationship with a six at work? And what do you wish the people close to you knew that you've probably told them, but they didn't pick up about being in a relationship with you? And then I'm going to come ask you some questions about being a mother after that. Okay. Um, so being at work, I think is, is some of that dynamic of needing time. Yeah. And it's, it's not because I'm, you know, I think needing time is being interpreted as, I don't want to say lazy, but it, it's almost interpreted as, this, as if I don't know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. When in reality, I'm just trying to make a really good decision. Yeah. And I just need time. Right. And then when I, when I do make a good decision, I know it's a good one. Yeah. And you can trust that. Right. You know. So it's not that you don't trust yourself. And it's not that you don't trust the relationship. It's that it just takes some time. It just takes me time. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't mind that. No, actually, no. I, yeah. you know, obviously I don't mind that. Right. But other people do. Do. Mm-hmm. Cause everything's moving so fast. So it could be helpful for me if somebody was to give me a timeline. Yeah. You know, like, so here, and that happened this year, like uh-huh. you need to be able to say to launch something by this date. Uh huh. And that was good. Yeah. Cause it gave me time mm-hmm. 
And it also satisfied that person by saying, I re- we really need to move forward yeah. at this point. Yeah. That's helpful. Uh-huh. You think the Enneagram helps with that? I think the Enneagrams helped me in the sense of, you know, my mantra every day is trust your decision. There you go. You know, I mean, it's little things like last week I just got back from leading a spring break missions trip mm-hmm. and we caravanned. And so it's as like little as trust your decision that you made a right turn mm-hmm. and it's the right turn. Right. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> um, or, you know, cause then I would see somebody go a different way mm-hmm. and I would automatically think, Oh, I, I made the wrong decision. You yeah. Know? But they just did something different. So, so uh-huh. here's what I want to pull together with that in terms of relationships then and other things. Mm-hmm. It's not that you can't decide. It's that you're choosing between options. Right. Yes. And you want to choose correctly. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you can't decide. It's that you don't want to decide yet. And I think people think that you're indecisive in mm-hmm. relationships when you're precise in relationships. Correct. Yes, that's a great way of putting that. What do you think about the fact that as a child you knew who was being treated unjustly and a comfort place for you as an adult even though you're a six is to be addressing people who are being treated unjustly and the lack of justice seems to be growing significantly actually Mm -hmm. In, in terms of what you're worried about in relation to the common good which is a relationship thing how do you bring people in to your way of seeing as a six relationally? Like how can you get people to be in relationship with you to address how you see? Do you have a a way or a method or do you know what works for you? Because I I wouldn't see you as polarizing. You wouldn't shame people into doing it. I might, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, as a two, it would be my tendency to, we, we should do something. We ought to do this. I don't hear sixes talking like mm-hmm. that. I try to invite, I, I would say I invite people with me. So I encourage people to come and see as they say yes to that. I mean, it's a much smaller or, a, you know, I'm not getting large quantities of people right. to do that. Right, right. Um, but when you have somebody who says yes to that and then they're in that opportunity with you, that's the moment that you get to begin to really kind of shape and form somebody mm-hmm. to to see this as an injustice or sure. to see this as a different way of seeing and it's really beautiful and it yeah. that doesn't happen in large quantities but yeah. when it does happen it's really beautiful so for me it's more of an invitation uh, to people to to participate mm-hmm. in this alongside me uh, and then when they're there you know, and they've said, they've already said yes to that, then I can use that experience Mm -hmm. that they're in to, to bring up some other things. So what do you wish people knew about sixes? Um, I think that I wish people knew that sixes are very capable, you know, because I I think people often think of sixes as being scared Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily accurate Mm -hmm. I don't think Mm -hmm. but I also don't think sixes are going to take initiative for for leadership so 
Okay. And now that's a relationship thing. Mm -hmm. That's how you are in relationship to other people. So why do you think sixes don't take initiative for leadership? Well, I I think it goes back to not trusting Uh that they can. Yeah. Or trusting that other people want them to. There you go. And so some of it is, is that I don't think it's a natural, you know, I'm not naturally going to step into that, Mm -hmm. but if you ask me to, I'll do it and I'll do it really well. So, you know, I think sixes need to be invited before they can hone in that skill Mm -hmm. of just doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What drives you crazy about other numbers that you're in relationship with? Mm. So let's start with. Uh, in the cohort, <laughs> let's start in the cohort. Okay. So we have every number in the cohort, but I'm usually leading. Mm-hmm. So as a two, where it, where the connects with me as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So what drives you crazy about my number, and what is good for you about my number in that relationship? I think I'll start with what I love. Okay, that's easier for me. I think this like stories. Yeah. I love the way that you teach in story form and narrative form. It's, uh, it's connecting, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. connects, uh, multiple people. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that also because it gives you time? Maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think when people tell their stories, we have time. Mm-hmm. And when people give me facts, I feel like I don't, like I kind of don't know what to do with that and I don't have time to do anything. That and it's also it's it's more relational. Yeah, exactly. In, in the in the sense that I feel like I can connect to someone, where facts are really hard for me to connect to. Me too. Um, if they're not connected to a person, mm-hmm. and so, um, I like I like that. I'm trying to think what drives me crazy. I think when I don't know what numbers do this, so maybe uh-huh. you would know. Uh-huh. But when people try to correct uh, someone else's experience, yes. Yeah. Or, you know, or invalidate yep. someone's experience. I think that's kind of frustrating, you know. Yeah, and you know, I think in terms of relationship with sixes, sometimes that's a time thing too. Hmm. So it's interesting to me that I think right now, culturally, we so need sixes. And culturally, things are moving so fast that it's a huge challenge for sixes to be needed right now, mm-hmm. I think based on the things that you've shared about how you see things relationally. What is the most comforting thing about your routine as a six in terms of your relationships to your husband and your child and how you all do things together? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, life with a toddler is pretty routine. Yeah. And just in general, yeah. we do the same thing every day. Yeah. Um, and that's probably comforting yeah. to me. Change isn't something that I really love, you know, a change in environment mm-hmm. or, um, routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can adjust, but it's not something that I love. My husband is so de- dependable and, mm-hmm. um, he is always the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he goes to, I mean, every day he wakes up and he's, he's just constant. Yeah. And that, I think I need that. Yeah. And I love that about him. So we're dependent numbers, you and I, ones, twos, Mm -hmm. and sixes. And that means we're thinking repressed. So I want to tell you about how being thinking repressed affects my relationships. And then I'd love to hear how you think being thinking depressed affects your relationships. 
So I'm, um, I'm thinking repressed in that I believe that I think all the time, and I do, but at least 85% of the time I think about relationships. And I think about what could, be, what could go wrong, and I think about mm. how that will be my fault if something goes wrong. And then I think about how I would fix it. Or when people offend me, I think about how I would say the things I'm not going to say. I just pretend I am for a while. And being thinking repressed hurts my relationships because I think more things are about me than are. Like I get my feelings hurt by things that don't have anything to do with me. They're Mm -hmm. about the other person being the number that they are. So if, if that's what defines me as thinking repressed in terms of relationships as a two, how are you thinking repressed in relationships as a six? Well, I think, so I'm both thinking repressed and right. thinking dominant. dominant right. right. So, so let me tell you, let me tell you about okay. what that means. So you take in information with thinking, but you don't use thinking to process the information you've taken in. Mm-hmm. Right. So oftentimes I, I spend so much energy thinking un, mm-hmm. unproductively mm-hmm. that I wait. It's like a waste of all of my energy. Mm-hmm. So I think about all the things that could happen in a relationship or in my day that never end up happening. Mm -hmm. And then I think about how much energy I wasted on thinking about all of those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so uh, oftentimes I think this is, it's real cyclical for me of, uh, in the, in the sense that it makes it hard for people to really know me, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't know myself, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like that, because I, I could think one thing and say another, but not really, it's just real, un, the, my thinking is just real unproductive. So it's, it, I don't think I know even myself mm-hmm. to know how to sh- share myself. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. sense. And what I do, though, is I share too much. Mm-hmm. So, so people know too much about me. And people don't know enough about you. Yeah. And I manage my anxiety around people knowing too much about me by telling them more. Mm-hmm. And you manage your anxiety by telling um, people less. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. We mm-hmm. both have a relationship problem mm-hmm. with other people in that yes. space. Yeah. And I would think that I think people see me as being um, like snobby or uh-huh. reserved. Mm-hmm. If you don't ask me a question, I won't tell you information that's kind of how it works with me mm-hmm. uh, because I don't know how to tell you what you're wanting to know mm-hmm. if you don't yeah ask me the question and yet you're really patient with other people telling you stuff you don't want to know mm-hmm. yeah because of our numbers we're hyper aware of relationship problems mm-hmm. what is your solution to all of that non-productive thinking in relationships like I I, I think that if I was teaching, I would say for both of us, the solution is for us to bring up productive thinking. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about how, yeah, we get that, but we don't do that. <laughs> right. So what's another solution besides uh-huh. bringing up thinking? So the problem was, is that I don't share enough about myself mm-hmm. with other people. And so I think for me, I just have to share more. So here's what happens to me in relationship with sixes. Uh-huh. Because you don't share enough about yourself, but you're asking me questions, 
Right. I feel like you're asking me to share things that you aren't willing to share about yourself. Right. As it turns out, for me, that's not a problem. But it's a problem that's not a problem. But I can see how other numbers who are more he- who are more hesitant about sharing. It's like if you don't share, I'm not going to share. Mm-hmm. If if you don't give me something about you, I'm not going to give you something about me. Yeah, I and I I think for me it's about just I am I'm willing to share. Mm-hmm. I just it just doesn't naturally occur to me that I should. Oh, interesting. So you know, so if I was with a number, and I have you know, friends have told me that when I first met you the questioning was really hard for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but once I got to know you, I kind of under, got to understand why you were doing that. Um, so I, I think that I'm very willing to share, but oftentimes people don't ask. Uh-huh. One of the things that I put in the new book is that I, I think sixes really want to be known. Mm-hmm. And I think they want everybody to be aware of their presence and I think they want to make a difference and in uh, our way of being in the world we just don't slow down we just don't slow down much for that Mm -hmm. so a solution for me is just the opposite of that it's to tell less to invite more Uh, you know you and I could go out to lunch and have a great time and go home, and you would know way more than you want to know about me, and I would know way less than I want to know about you because of our way of being in the world. Right. That, that's part of the deal. Is trusting yourself in relationships getting any better because you know the Enneagram? I, yes, because I can look at, you know, like I told, told you, my daily mantra is yeah. like either trust that decision or trust yourself. Yeah. Um, and so I wouldn't have known that if I didn't know the Enneagram. Yeah. It's also helped me stop giving my power away Uh because I think I'm, it's a temptation for me to do that, Mm -hmm. to just kind of give that responsibility Mm -hmm. to somebody else Mm -hmm. or to let someone else have that, you know, uh, when it's really mine to do. Yeah. So knowing the Enneagram has helped me realize that I do that way more than I should. I regret as a two building relationships too quickly. Mm. I trust people too quickly. So one of the things that I'm trying to learn from sixness is to take a little bit better care of myself by not trusting too quickly. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're saying that you're trying to learn to trust a little more quickly yourself and other people. Right. And I'm hoping that people who are listening to us talk are aware that in any social group, if we were in it together, I would look like an extrovert and you would look like an introvert. But other than that, people wouldn't know that there's a big difference in Mm -hmm. how I am in the world and how you are in the world. What that means, even though you and I don't share a line on the Enneagram, what that means is that I need to learn from your reticence and you can learn from my eagerness, Mm -hmm. which is why I think they say the Enneagram is the face of God. Mm. So since I'm speaking always about relationships, because that's how I see the world. And since I'm speaking 
about believing that it's a time for sixes right now in our culture. What gifts do you have to offer right now as a six to the culture in terms of relationship? And how can you offer those? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things that I push so much is relationships. Yeah. Um, because I think that we do move way too fast and, uh, in the work that I do, we want to make it about completing a task or finishing something, Mm -hmm. um, so that we feel good about our advocacy work or our mission work. Um, when to me, it's just, it's about relationship Uh and, but that takes time. I'm trying to give our you know, people the opportunity to be in relationship with someone that is different than them mm-hmm. or that has a different lived experience so that it makes them a better mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. So I do that quite a bit. I think slowing down is really important. Mm-hmm. I think we jump to things very too quickly mm-hmm. before we can actually even think out something that strategically makes sense in the long run. Mm-hmm. We're all about short gain, you know, short term yeah. gain. Yeah. Um, when I think we need to be kind of about long-term success. Yeah. So especially when it comes to issues of justice and common good, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that sense, with the committees that I work with, I, I tell them often, hey, we're going to trust the process. Mm-hmm. And they hate that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we work slow inten- mm-hmm. for in- intentional reasons. Mm-hmm. It's not because of anything other than intentionality. Um, and that's what I want us to always be thinking about is that everything we do has intention for a long-term, mm-hmm. you know, Goal. reason. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so how are six is going to step up? You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. mindful that I'm saying to sixes and nines, you need to step up. This is your moment. I, I believe you have the gifts for what we need right now. So you need to step up. And then I, I walk away thinking, <laughs> those are the two numbers that are the least likely to right. step up. Right. And I'm asking for that. Yeah. Um, I think it has to be both. Uh, you know, the easy answer is, well, give give us space to do that. Uh-huh. Um, oh, that's not the easy answer, though. But that's a good <laughs> answer. And that's a relationship answer. Uh-huh. Give us the space to step up. Instead of, uh, okay, time. you had three minutes. Time's right. up. Yeah, would have been nice, but you're not quick enough. Yeah, yeah. I think giving giving sixes space and responsibility to do that, mm-hmm. they will do it. But without giving that, mm-hmm. then they're just not going to. Interesting. Or I'm not going to. I think you speak for sixes mm-hmm. very well, actually. One of the things that I've often wished is that I had learned the Enneagram at the age that you learned the Enneagram. Uh, because I think I would have done life differently because I would have learned lessons sooner. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a way that you are intentionally different in relationships because you know the Enneagram? And it, is there an example you have of how you did it, how you behaved in relationships, not knowing that about yourself or about other people, and how you behave now because you do? So I think one of the things that has helped me in knowing the Enneagram, maybe two things. I feel more confident in relationships because I, th- I think that as a six, I often didn't feel like people even really cared about me being in a relationship 
Um, so, so I often have gone back between six and nine mm-hmm. because that presence, your presence doesn't matter has mm-hmm. always really, I've connected with that, but I think it's different in the sense for me, um, because it's about trusting myself in that relationship mm-hmm. that I have something to bring. So, so I feel like I'm, I'm much more confident in my relationships now than I was at 20 mm-hmm. and realizing that I do have something to bring to the table. So that's a, a very kind of different experience as now than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, I'm also pretty mistrustful or I, I, I distrust people mm-hmm. a lot. There's not a lot of people in my life that I meet where I'm not thinking what's your, what's your motivation mm-hmm. behind this or I'm always kind of skeptical of, of people's reasonings mm-hmm. about wanting to be in a relationship with me. So I'm trying to get better at that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm there yet, but mm-hmm. I, I, I recognize that that's something that I think I bring um, that's not always accurate. One of the things we might explore for a minute is that sixes go to nine in security, but they could go to the high side of nine or the low side of nine, which is a little different. I teach that different than most people do. So the low side of nine would be, I don't think my presence matters. Mm -hmm. So even when you're kind of feeling pretty good about yourself and feeling pretty secure and you start to kind of move out a little, and then is it in the process of relationship or in the process of finding a place to stand with people that you think, ah, but my presence probably doesn't matter. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, something's yours to do and then you think, ah, it won't matter. Is that how that, is that what it looks like? No, not necessarily that. Um, for me, it's much more like group oriented. Uh-huh. Like the, the pictures that come to my mind are more so like, you know, cause I love being a part of a group. Right. So it's like, if we're, you know, I'm a part of a group and it, it doesn't feel like my presence there matters, mm-hmm. you know, as an individual or as a part of the group. Interesting. I don't know if that makes It does make sense. It's like, th- well, they're louder than I am, or they're quick. That, uh-huh. that was a quick answer. Uh-huh. So I like being part of the group, but I'm not sure what my part in the group is. Is that accurate? Yes. So like, I love being a part of a group because I, maybe because I can hide out a little bit, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but still be a part of something good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So oftentimes I think I could be there or not. It could, it doesn't really matter because I don't feel like I'm contributing much mm-hmm. outside of just being there. So one of the things I just want to put on top of that uh-huh. is that I think we don't ask nearly enough questions. And I think that's yours to contribute. Mm. Y- you and every other six. Mm-hmm. I think asking questions is a contribution that we don't rely on enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I have done some of that too. I have to be very like cognizant of how I ask the question. Mm-hmm. Um, because I used to think this was a Northern Southern kind of thing where, oh. um, you know, I could, I could ask a question and, and <laughs> where it would cut to the heart of the matter, mm-hmm. but it would come across as very harsh. Oh. And so I have to, I feel like I often have to repackage what I really want to say mm-hmm. to be much softer. So one of the things that I hope everybody who's listening is hearing is how thoughtful you are, 
about what you're going to do and how you're going to say it and how other people are going to respond. Mm-hmm. And that's the process. That's that whole thing that we lose when we don't process what's happening. We don't process information. So I was um, teaching one time years ago, a long time ago. And uh, one of our best friends is a six on the Enneagram. Uh, in fact, her husband and Joe have been best friends for like 54 years. They were in high school seminary together. And our daughter, Joey, you know, is an eight. And I had them on a panel. And they were seated in a way that they were at opposite, kind of not right next to each other. They were kind of far apart. And, uh, you know, I started with eight, nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So they're at opposite ends. And the friend leaned forward and said to Joey, you eights move too fast. You don't think things through and you need to stop it. And Joey leaned right up and looked at her and said, we can't wait for you. There are things that have to be done and you take forever. (laughs) Uh And I couldn't breathe because it was a relationship thing and I didn't know how to handle it and I didn't know what to do. And Mm. I, and I, I didn't handle it well. You know, I handled it like a mother, not well, Mm. but let me tell you, how I would handle it now. Mm. I would ask the two of them, the six and the eight, to explore with me that they have so much in common because sixes don't trust themselves and eights don't trust other people. And eights move fast to protect themselves and six is process to protect themselves. Mm. And so it's like both numbers are actually operating out of exactly the same place, which I think is why they irritate one another. Mm. You know, I think you, you get irritated with each other because you're operating out of the same place, so you see yourself in the other one in a way. Mm-hmm. Does that make, mm-hmm. does that sound true? It does. I um, It does in some sense. I think it actually can be a really great working relationship if, if both people are mature enough mm-hmm. to understand that. Um, because eights help me think bigger picture, mm-hmm. like, whereas I can rein them in a little bit if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, and because eights trust themselves, then I feel like I can trust myself if they're on board with me. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, it's affirmation. It's affirmation yeah. because yeah. then I'm like, oh, I know I'm doing something good. You yeah. know, or I know I'm onto something here because yeah. this person who would never even think twice about not trusting themselves uh-huh. trusts me. You. Okay, that's one side of that. What do you think the other side is? Oh, I probably irritate that person a lot. As a as a so an eight looking to a six. Yeah. Uh-huh. In in maturity, I think that I would bring up questions that they wouldn't even have thought about. That's it. Exactly. That oh I don't I guess I haven't thought about that before, uh-huh. you know. I bet and you that love hearing that. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, probably not. Uh-huh. You're moving so fast, you probably never thought of that. <laughs> um, so, you know, and that's affirming to me too. You know, sure, and, sure. And the fact that, so if, those are good conversations, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of potential in that kind of relationship. If you had a global stage to offer advice about relationships, what would you say? I think in general, Uh I would probably say um, 
there is always something that could bring you together that could unite people to one another if you're willing to see outside of yourself, you know, kind mm-hmm. of put yourself aside. I would, yeah. So that, I think that's what I would say generally is that there is always something that could bring us together. We could always do something mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. that we, you know, if you're, if you're kind of willing to put something aside, I think, uh, to, to other sixes, I, I might say the time is now, yeah. you know? <laughs> Um, you know, to stop second guessing or questioning mm-hmm. and to just really kind of dig in mm-hmm. and to not be afraid to speak your mind or to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting that there, I, I keep running across people regardless of age and regardless of where they are in the country who kind of know that the time is now for us to say something different or do something different, the time's now. Mm. I think the reason I, I believe people will listen to sixes is because you won't be preachy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't work for people to be preachy at you. Mm-hmm. And so sixes don't operate from that place, which is lovely. Yeah. Because you don't think you have all the answers and you know there are good questions to ask. Mm-hmm. I am really grateful that you were willing to spend an hour doing something that kind of puts you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was harder than I thought it would be. Was it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you did a really great job. Thank you. And I, um, because it was harder than you thought it would be, was it harder because there wasn't a lot of thinking time? Yeah, it was hard for me to recall, you know, like if yeah. I was to think about life 15 years ago. Yeah. It's hard for me to, to recall some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Finish this sentence. If you're in a relationship with a six. Give them time and encourage them, encourage a space where they can ask what they need to ask and then do what they need to do great that's great advice thank you thank you Uh and one more thing april 10th is the release date for the path between us you can pre-order on amazon or at ivy press i'm so excited because we have a special deal if you order five copies or more and email the receipt to pbu at lifeinthetrinityministry.com. We're going to have a drawing and you can run a 45-minute Skype conversation with me. And I would love it and I think you would too. The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthouse. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit theenneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.